So hello all, welcome to the fourth podcast on John segment of the T of HP. Uh, and I'm back with another update on the COVID vaccine. So since my last podcast, a lot has changed. I believe the Oxford-AstraZeneca vaccine uh, has been approved by the UK. And now we have a couple of uh, different vaccines being used around the world to fight the pandemic. So that's all pretty good. Uh, it's good news, right? Uh, it's good news. Uh, I was asked specifically to talk about the differences between each vaccine. And to be honest, uh, not the expert in this subject. I just happen to have Google uh, on my fingertips so I can research things about these vaccines that come from websites that may or may not be credible. So I'll try to st- stay my sources. So according to the observer, the Pfizer vaccine has to be ex- uh, stored at an extremely low temperature at negative 94 degrees Fahrenheit, which we discussed in previous episodes, while Moderna's vaccine can be stored at higher temperatures such as negative 4 degrees at around negative 4 degrees Fahrenheit, while the AstraZeneca vaccine can be stored at above freezing temperatures at 36 degrees to 46 degrees Fahrenheit. Uh, however, wholesale, the price paid by the government co- contracts and other agencies per dose by buying hundreds of thousands of doses at once, uh, the Moderna vaccine costs at the most at $33 a dose, Pfizer at $20 a dose, and AstraZeneca at $4 per each which is uh, quite cheap. It's even cheaper than the Pfizer vaccine, uh, which the U.S. government has gotten a pretty good deal for. So the U.S. government has signed a contract with uh, the British company, which is AstraZeneca, for $1.2 billion U.S. dollars. And if you, if you do the math, $4 per dose, that means the contract uh, will give us 300 million doses of this vaccine at some point in the future, which is a lot. And... That's almost the population of the U.S., and because you need two doses of this vaccine, it can potentially uh, help uh, out um, slightly less than half of the U.S. population. So what you pay with ease of storage and cost, which where ease of storage is the temperature that you store the vaccine, is the efficacy. So the vac- AstraZeneca vaccine's efficacy rate is not as high as the Pfizer and Moderna vaccine. So according to the Lancet, which received, released a summary of the results regarding the AstraZeneca vaccine, the one-dosing regimen where there were 2,741 participants in this trial uh, showed vaccine efficacy of 90% when AZD122, uh, um, which is the name of uh, the uh, drug given, uh, was given as a half dose, followed by a full dose at least one month apart, and another dosing regimen, where there were 8,895 participants, showed uh, 62% efficacy when given as two full doses at least one month apart. The combined analysis from both dosing regimens, uh, so total, if you add those two, the number of participants for both, and you uh, do a weighted average of the percent of efficacy, Efficacies uh, is 11,636 uh, participants in both trials combined resulted in an average efficacy of 70%. So it looks like all you have to do is give the half a dose and then another dose to the same person uh, one month apart and they're immune 90% of the time. 
which is pretty good. It's not as good as the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines, which work at a 95% efficacy rate, but it's still pretty good. So this is uh, good stuff. It's good stuff. Uh, on to something else. So during the winter break, I was mostly at home, and during this time, I got an orchid, as you can see in the background. Uh, you got a beautiful orchid. I love this orchid. Uh, the, it's probably the least related thing to COVID I have discussed on this podcast so far, but I think it's pretty interesting. So I did have quite a bit of research on how to take care of this orchid. Uh, and because I'm new to this and I do not want it to die. Uh, so the one thing that I found interesting was that occasionally there will be a keiki that grows on the orchid. So a keiki is like a baby orchid. And once the keiki is big enough, you can cut it off and it will grow to become its own orchid. So eventually, 30 years down the line, uh, you'll see me with my exponentially growing army of orchids taking over the world. No, that's... I don't think that's going to happen, but it's cool to speculate. And they're not the best things to take over the world with. There's much more effective means of taking over the world. Uh, but I thought this was, a, this was a pretty clever way to reproduce. Then I thought, wow, is it possible to make something that reproduces itself or to engineer something that is self-replicating. So it becomes its own sort of a non-organic and non-biological uh, self-replicator. So it's like non-biological life, which sounds like an oxymoron, but please uh, bear with me. Uh, it turns out that I'm not the only one to, I'm not the first one to think of this, and there are many people that have thought of this in the past, and uh, they have published their ideas on the internet. So, uh, so one of these people is, uh, is John von Neumann, who was a mathematician, and he had an idea called the, uh, von Neumann probe. So basically, it's a, it's a self-replicating robot that floats in space, uh, it, and what it does is it has all the instructions inside on how to reproduce its, re-replicate itself, and it kind of sort of acts like its own organism because it can mutate by replicating itself wrong. And this is kind of like, and therefore it is subject to selective pressures like any other biological organism. And, uh, it is, and because it has, it is subject to selective pressures, uh, it's, kind of evolved like any other life form on earth so there's another theory that among the stars there's the uh, which, there's this thing uh called gray goo which is basically a von neumann probe but it's much smaller it's microscopic right uh these tiny non-biological which is the point of them uh, machines are engineered to take stuff out of their environment use it to self-replicate so it sounds more and more like artificial life, except in this case, it's probably more along the lines of artificial bacteria. So things that are so small to see, but imagine swarms of them. Uh, for, so for this section, uh, I've done research from Wikipedia, which is uh, not the most reliable source, but it's good enough to get by, at least for me. Uh, so there may very well be some fatal flaws in all of these ideas. Uh, however, matter is not the only thing that reproduces uh there are other things that reproduce such as ideas right ideas on the internet 
So, so there's a thing called memes on the internet. I'm sure all you guys know what memes are. I think I know what memes are. But the original idea of a meme was actually coined by an evolutionary biologist. Yes, that's all coming together now, isn't it? Uh, his name was uh, Richard Dawkins in his book, in his book, The Selfish Gene, where he argues that the gene is ultimately what tries to survive and reproduce, not the organism, because uh, the gene is just the the ultimate self-replicator, because that's exactly what it does. Um, so it explains a lot of things uh, in biology that I do not know, and so now let's get to the definition of meme. So the definition of memes is uh, a meme acts like a unit for carrying cultural ideas or practices that can be transmitted from one mind to another through writing, speech, gestures, rituals, or other uh, emittable phenomenon with a mimic theme. Uh, so this is according to a person that uh, wrote a book from Wikipedia. So Take that as you will. Um, and says, uh, supporters of this concept regard memes as cultural analogs to the genes that, in that they self-replicate, mutate, and respond to selective pressures. Uh, so memes are kind of like genes. Uh, they're genes, but they are transmitted through person from person to person through non-genetic means. And so... So their ideas transmitted through, say, you talking to somebody, you sending a text or uh, sending memes or whatnot. So in sh so um, the Google definition I think is a uh, much simpler, but it broadens the definition. So an element of so according to Google, an element of cult a meme is an element of culture or system of behavior that may be considered to be passed from one individual to another by non-genetic means, especially imitation. So in short, memes are just things, not necessarily in things in the Newtonian sense, but ideas that are transmitted from person to person through non-genetic means. Uh, so this encompasses the traditional sense of the word meme. So, so usually a meme is a funny picture with a caption or text. Well, I mean, it could be a video too. Uh, or some edited element to uh, express an idea. That thing not really matters, but it's more of an idea, right? It's a so, for example, like a typical meme that you find on your phone is really is if you get down to the bare bone, it's a bunch of flashing lights on your phone screen that's stored as bits inside your phone, which none of it is matter per se, uh, but it's just information, right? It's information, and your phone is just a method of of transferring this information or meme. Um, uh, so the, it's a method of, the, your phone is the method of transferring the meme rather than being the meme in the traditional sense. Uh, so this one, this would mean many other things are memes according to the definition of meme by Google. Uh, so for example, language is a meme. Uh, even though people have brains that are, people like humans are, have brains that are adapted to learn language. Uh, faster than if we didn't have those same structures in our brain, but it's but that doesn't mean language is innate in us because if no one taught you how to use language, you wouldn't be able to use language. It's not innate in the person. 
and it's passed down from person to person through non-genetic means, um, after all. So, by definition, any idea from your friends or parents, such as ideas of morality, what's right or wrong, political ideologies, even parts of fake news and real news, is also a meme. It's an idea passed down from person to person through non-genetic means, is it not? This would mean that everything you learned in school technically is a meme under the uh, if you follow the Google definition. So math is a meme, science is a meme, history is a meme, art's a meme, music's a meme, um, and of course, uh, no, I won't mention the classes that I want to say are memes. Uh, so for all these classes are technically memes uh, because they're not innate to people and they're just a collection of ideas passed down from person to person, aren't they? And through non-genetic memes. So non-genetic means, not memes. <laughs> so each individual unit of information, whatever that might be, for instance, the mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell. That's a meme because it's an, uh, it's an idea element of culture that is passed down uh, through non from person to person through non-genetic means. Uh, there are many other things that are uh, technically means under the uh, definition uh, under the uh, definition that who, who is the biologist? Uh, the biologist uh, I had the biologist in here somewhere. Uh, oh, Coined by Richard Dawkins, right? Yes. Uh, the, the idea of the meme coined by Richard Dawkins uh, is what he meant. Uh, so yeah, it fits under that uh, idea. Uh, so memes evolve just like organisms and their respective genes. Uh, so the gene is also is almost analogous to a meme in the way they self-replicate. For example, the Drake format meme. Uh, originally, it was two pictures of Drake. Uh, I believe he's a rapper. Drake. Uh, yes, he's a rapper. Okay. Uh, so it was originally just a picture of Drake with two captions. The meme went viral and now it is all over the internet. It has been a huge success for the meme and it has survived and replicated an innumerable amount of times. So memes are ideas and not matter uh, like you know biological life. So you can print out uh, the meme on a sheet of paper, but it's not the paper that matters. It's the idea itself and it would have made no difference in meaning if it were printed on a piece of plastic or painted on a wall or if it were cast on a movie theater screen, it'd still be the same meme. So, um, as the meme evolves, so as people uh, edit it, um, people often replace the text, people will, uh, and the meme evolves as people replace Drake's head with a head, the head of somebody else or something else. And then even go as far as to replace Drake entirely and even 
uh, edit the format of the meme. However, that does not change uh, the that doesn't change the meme, the core idea of the Drake format meme. Any meme and any meme that results from this Drake format meme that fails to be funny is not shared and it dies off. So due to uh, selective pressures such as the goal to be shared uh, more on the internet so that it evolves, so that, so that the meme evolves, only uh, memes that people deem worth sharing, such as funny memes, uh, are a allowed to replicate uh, by being shared on the internet. Uh, which is a cool phenomenon uh, because most memes you, you find are funny, but that's just a result of memes uh, not uh, memes that are not funny not being shared, which is uh, the result of some sort of natural selection that happens with ideas, not just biological organisms. Uh, so this is not the case. Th this is not just the case. Not 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 the case. Uh, it's not just the case for memes in the traditional sense that you find uh, on the internet. So, well, some non-traditional sense memes you can also find on the internet, but memes in the formal definition sense uh, also die off in the, in the process due to uh, selective pressures of people transmitting these memes and helping them self-replicate. So it's like, it's almost like a new form of life, uh, like life as in a self replicating entity. Uh, life doesn't have, that doesn't live in the Newtonian world per se, uh, they, it lives in the world of uh, thought. So uh, ideas, they spread and they are shared from person to person through non-genetic means, but they're like a form of life and they re replicate uh, through the minds of people and all these ideas, the, the idea of how the meme spreads and how uh, memes affect our everyday life are explored in the incredibly real field. I'm surprised that this field exists of memetics, uh, uh, which is the study of memes, which I'll, maybe I'll become a memeologist one day. Yeah, maybe that's my future career path. So thank you for listening if you made it this far, and I hope you guys have a nice day.